The causes of cancer are multiple. There are external ones such as air, water or food pollution, x-rays, alcohol, smoking, etc. and internal psychiatric causative agents confirmed by the Greek doctor Kallen in 537 BC. There are also genes which determine human characteristics and pass from generation to another. From among the genes existing in the human body, which are about a hundred thousand in all, there are probably more than fifty genes which are susceptible to, or which may be responsible for, cancer. Only twenty of these genes have been properly identified up to now. These genes exist inside the human body's cells and they become activated by air, by external agents and by psychiatric conditions from childhood onwards. As a person advances in years and becomes old, these internal and external agents increase and trigger such genes which misinform the cell with erroneous data so that it begins to proliferate unduly. If these cells overcome the immunological defense cells, then cancer will appear. The immunocytes of the human body number about 35 billion cells. About 30% of them are lymphocytes, which protect the body from different kinds of cancer by killing viruses and cancer cells. Unfortunately, Cancer cells can be created in our body at any time and at any age. When the immunological defense cells control them and kill them, the body then overcomes the cancer and vice versa. As far as cupping goes, it was proved that the immunological cells increase after cupping up to 60%. This proportion of cells defends the body, especially the T-cells, which attack viruses. There are B-cells and T-cells, which increase after cupping and fight the virus and the cancerous cells. That is why the immunological system has improved after cupping and controlled the cancer in most cases. We should also mention that the immunological T-cells contain interferon. This interferon is the immunological protein that kills the cancer and its cells. So, the immunological cells increase up to 60% after cupping, and this is also true for the interferon. I had a tumor in my testicle. They sent me to a physician in Al Khomeini Hospital who suggested removing it. After the operation, he asked me to have an ultrasound scan and GT for the rest of my body, where he discovered that I had tumors in the abdomen. So, he sent me to a specialist hospital. Although I attended 20 sessions of therapy, I didn't regain my health 
After that, some people advised me to have cupping done. So, I had it done twice. Then, when I went back to the specialists at the hospital, they examined me and asked, You are better now. What have you done? I said, I had cupping done, twice. They said, well, it improved your health and you no longer need to use medicine anymore. So, keep having cupping therapy. So, I go for cupping every year and now I feel well, thanks to God. In fact, when the application of cupping began in Latakia, I allowed it in my hospital for one reason. That was to avoid complications which might have arisen if it had been conducted in non-sterile conditions or by practitioners excluded from the medical circle. So, we decided that if cupping were to be applied at all, we would prefer to apply it in sterile conditions with sterile instruments using trained medical staff. To be frank, when cupping first became popular, I was not convinced by it at all. I accepted it, but more out of a concern for the people who underwent treatment. But after that, I began to observe the effects it had upon patients, out of curiosity. I was surprised when I saw some patients whom I, myself, had diagnosed with haemophilia during and since their childhoods and who had been unable to play or practice sport like other children due to the danger of inflaming joints or internal hemorrhaging. I was surprised when I saw them coming in the next year wishing to have cupping done again after they had had it in the first year. One youth and his parents told me that he could now play football and run like the other boys and that he did not suffer from swellings anymore. He said, I feel so much better in myself. Please let me know when I can come to have cupping done again. I have had hemophilia since I was child. I inherited this disease from my mother. Whenever I was subject to an injury or bruise, whether small or big, I suffered for many days until the injury healed or the bruise went away. Of course, I had to take the usual medicine such as clotting factors and others which were high priced for me. My conditions began to interfere with my studies and I started failing exams at school. Then, I heard about cupping. It aroused my interest a great deal, and I asked if it would be of any help to patients with hemophilia. They said, yes, it can help even hemophiliacs. So, having found out all this, I went to a specialist in cupping, so as to be cured of my disease. Thanks to God, the worst pain, which I had always suffered, 
especially when sitting, which was pain in my joints and feet, has completely disappeared. More importantly, wounds and injuries caused by knives and other sharp objects, which would previously have taken one or two months to heal, began to behave in a normal way, requiring only dressing or simple first aid like those of everybody else. My younger brother, who is 20 years old, also has the same disease. There is a history of hemophilia in the family. It is hereditary. So, I had cupping done on him. At the moment, by chance, he has a couple of cuts. And there is a big one on his leg. I can show it to you. When I took him to the doctor about it, he sutured the wound normally, with only three stitches. Then he told me that there was no need to use the factor 8 clotting agent injection, as there was no bleeding. Indeed, he did not use any injection. He used only dressing. Now, my brother is at home, like any other normal patient. Hemophilia is a dangerous disease that causes bleeding in many places of the body and sometimes it causes death. The main cause of it is the deficiency of the eighth and the ninth factors in the blood. 85% of haemophilia can be ascribed to a lack of the eighth factor, while only 15% can be traced to a deficiency of the ninth. These blood factors originate in the liver, which forms and distributes them in order to prevent severe bleeding. So, if these two factors are reduced through deficiency, there will be bleeding. Cupping makes the liver active because it draws out the poisons which have settled in the back. Thereby, the liver begins to perform its functions again, which is regulating the metabolism, regulating levels of glycerine, cholesterol, and the creation of the eighth and ninth factors. These factors increase after cupping, and this increase benefits the patient with haemophilia. When they do suffer bleeding, it does not last for as long as it usually does in such disease. I have had haemophilia since I was a child. I suffered from it so much because any cut or injury prevented me from going to school or studying, and even from walking or moving. There is medication for this disease, but it's not always obtainable. Last year, one of my relatives told me about cupping and about its curative effects on haemophilia. Although I was afraid of the bleeding that's part of the cupping process itself, thankfully everything went well and the process was allowed to run its natural course. There was no bleeding after it, and I didn't have to use any medicine. Now, my health is good, thanks to the Lord, and though I have since had a hemorrhage in my gums, I am sure it's going to get better. In the last four years, thousands of patients have visited us at the Cupping Center which is annexed to the alternative medicine clinic. People have come suffering from many diseases, such as migraine, headache, spondylitis, neck pains, bronchial asthma, skin allergies, 
and many other diseases, and we have tried to help them through cupping. In fact, many of the cases of allergies were eased, and the results of cupping on cases of migraine, neck pain, and bronchial asthma were very good. As for the patients of hypertension, commonly known as high blood pressure, who have to take medicines continuously, cupping is so successful that we have had to be careful that they don't take their medicines in the same doses after it. Their blood pressure should be measured twice or three times a day, and according to its readings, the dose of their medicines should be modified. This is because using the same old dosage may cause those patients complications by lowering their blood pressure too much. The medical term for this is orthostatic hypotension. I developed diabetes. The symptoms were dizziness and xerostomia in the mornings. I went to a doctor who asked me to have laboratory tests carried out. When I gave him the test paper, he told me that I had the beginnings of diabetes. The analysis showed that the proportion of diabetes was at 320%. So he prescribed me some medicine. I took them, but I didn't get the results I had hoped for. Some friends advised me to go to another doctor in order to have cupping done. So. I went there and underwent treatment under a trained practitioner and according to approved regulations. Thankfully, when I had my blood sugar levels tested after cupping, they were 110. They haven't exceeded this level since, and I haven't suffered from any of the previous symptoms anymore. I suffered from numbness in three of the fingers of my right hand caused through a clotting of the arteries. This caused further problems, so that when I poured cold water on my hands from the tap, for example, when I performed the ritual ablutions for prayer, my hands would swell, and I would not be able to move them at all. I was like this for a month and a half. Then I went to a doctor who explained to me that I had numbness and anesthesia in three fingers of the right hand. I asked him about the cause of this numbness and he told me that I had a clotting of the arteries of the right hand. I asked about possible treatments and cures and the doctor prescribed some medicines for me and told me, if your case improves by taking these medicines, then fine, otherwise I will perform a surgical operation on your hand. I took the medicines, but they didn't help at all. Then the season when cupping is practiced came around, so I had it done, and I was cured at once. My previous condition had rendered me unable to work. In fact, I had been unable to do any work for one full month. After cupping, however, thanks to God, I recovered and regained my energy and vitality. So I returned to work. Now I am well and healthy by virtue of God.
I myself, like many other doctors besides, have supervised many cases of infertility. The cause of male infertility is the number of the spermatozoa in the semen not exceeding 4 to 7 million. The reasons for this can be factors such as testitis or an insufficient perfusion of the testes. Cupping helped to increase the number in such cases. There have been numerous cases which we have documented on TV and many others for which we have data where patients have been able to conceive with their partners after undergoing cupping treatment. We can see that cupping helps to strengthen the immune system around the testes and, as a consequence, it supports the nutrition of the testes. I suffered from infertility for 12 years. I went to many doctors, made many laboratory tests and took many medicines. The movement in the test semen was always 25%. I took medicines for a long time, without any results. During the 13th year, they advised me to have cupping done, which I had heard about before. I went and had it done. One month after cupping, my wife became pregnant, and God has granted us a baby girl. The ratio of the movement was 20% before cupping, but one year after the child's birth, it became 70%. Thanks be to God who has granted us this little child after we were patient for 12 or 13 years. Cupping experts on the Syrian medical team have to comply by extremely strict medical and scientific regulations so that they perform cupping correctly and do the art justice. In this way, it has been established as both a valid and useful medical operation, just as it was legislated by our Prophet Muhammad. Communication with Allah and peace be through him. If it is applied correctly, Patients will enjoy benefits from their treatment and they will be cured by God's leave without any side effects at all. One of the most important conditions of this operation is sterilization and cleanliness. The skin of the patient should be sterilized around the site of cupping before and after treatment and then the simple wounds should be dressed with sterile medical bandages. The medically sterile scalpels should be used only once and every patient should have his own fresh medical lancet and his own two cups. These instruments should be destroyed after cupping. I emphasize the subject of sterilization and that the cups, the gloves and all other materials should be used only once. Then they should be destroyed. No cups or scalpel should be sterilized after use. Rather, they should be thrown away and exchanged for new ones for every patient. By doing this, we can avoid infection, infectious epidemic hepatitis, and other reactions of the skin at the site of cupping. By observing these scientific conditions, it has been found that no damage results from applying cupping at all.
In order to be able to apply cupping in the correct scientific way, you should be qualified scientifically and medically. You should also be well informed about the rules of cupping as regards its season and the site of its application on the body. You should be conversant with the conditions required before and after cupping so as to advise your patient on how to follow them and prepare himself on the morning on which he is to undergo treatment. The equipment needed is glass cupping cups known as air cups, any kind of antiseptic for the light incisions except alcohol due to its flammability, a flame lamp to light the papers, medical scalpels perfectly sterilised, sterile cotton or gauze, and papers twisted in the shape of cones so as to enter easily through the aperture of the cup after being burnt. On the morning of cupping, the patient takes off his upper clothes to be bare-backed and sits in a normal sitting position with erect back. The temperature in the cupping room should be neither hot nor cold. The doctor determines the site of the cups on the upper part of the back, which is most certainly the only place where cupping should be practiced. This region is situated between the two shoulder blades on both sides of the spinal column. The two cups are fixed in place symmetrically to each other on either side of the spinal column and directly above the heads of the two shoulder blades so that the lower edges of the cups touch an imaginary horizontal line between the heads of the two shoulder blades or no more than a centimetre above this line. After this, the skin should be well sterilised Then, the copper burns a paper cone and puts it inside the first of the air cups. He sticks it on its specific site. Then he takes the second cup and sticks it in the same way on the site symmetric with that of the first cup. He should be sure that the two cups have been firmly fixed on the body so that they tighten the skin well. If not, he must repeat the fixing of a weekly fixed cup again. He leaves the two cups in place for three minutes. Then he removes the first cup, empties it of the remainders of the burnt paper and fixes it once again by burning another paper cone. Then he removes the second cup and refixes it again as quick as he can in order to prevent the congested blood from flowing. This operation is repeated one more time in the same manner. Then, after a third time, the copper makes light cuts at the site of the two cups with a sterile scalpel. On average, there should be 10 to 14 cuts on each side and the cuts should not be more than 1mm in depth and 5mm long. Then, the cups are applied again 
in the same way over the cut region so that blood drainage begins. When the cup becomes reasonably full, it should be removed, then fixed again, until the amount of the drained blood in the two cups is about 150 to 200 cubic centimetres. If the patient is having cupping applied for the first time in his life, the blood is drained only twice after the cups have been made. In subsequent years, the operation can be repeated three or four times in the same session. We can apply cupping twice a year, provided that the second time is in the following month. After removing the last cups, the site of the cups should be cleaned well with antiseptic and dressed with a piece of sterile medical gauze. When the cupping operation is finished, the cupped person should eat some vegetables, such as salad, an ideal Arabian salad dish being fatouche. This food is easily digested and assimilated. The body finds itself in a new state, so we should lighten the load for digestion during the first few hours after cupping, until the body has accustomed itself to this new state. The cupped person must not have milk or any of its derivatives until the next day after cupping. All the sciences we have attained to do not equal the sea of science belonging to that humane scholar in the East. These are the words of the famous English scientist Sir John Bennett with regard to the humane scientist and scholar Muhammad Amin Shaikh during his meeting with the scientists of the West. As a form of gratitude and the recognition of the rights of science and scholars, we can mention the life of the venerable scholar Muhammad Amin Shaikh. The humane scholar Muhammad Amin Shaikh was born in 1890 in Damascus. His father was a merchant. Although orphaned, he was characterized by his patience through the difficulties of life and the trying circumstances that befell his small family. Due to his noble lineage, going back to the progeny of the Prophet Muhammad, he was able to study in the Turkish Royal Academy, known as Anbar, in Damascus. He graduated as a security officer, and his unswerving allegiance to justice was well known. 
also indispensable to the rebels as they fought for freedom during the reign of the Turkish state and following that the French mandate. And so he continued until independence was achieved. Then the humane scholar Mohammed Amin Sheikhou turned to his scientific research in order to enlighten people's minds and put an end to their ignorance which had placed a barrier between people and their provider. Many books were dedicated to the great scholar, as well as much scientific research in all subjects, especially that which concerned the pronouncing of the name of Allah over animals to be slaughtered. Before this, Muhammad Amin Shaykhur was able to bring further science to light through his book, The Marvelous Medicine, the main reference point for our research into cupping. In the end, it's necessary to petition the responsible authorities, which are the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Higher Education, to take up the subject of cupping from an objective scientific angle, so that detailed studies, similar to the research of doctorate theses, might be conducted over a large number of cases. If such studies are conducted on upwards of 10,000 patients, we will be able to statistically confirm that cupping, the simple operation, free from complications, can offer the patient an easy means to recovery. It is available to all. It is free from complication or heavy costs, and moreover, it can cure complex illnesses which conventional medicine cannot. All the steps and simple medical operations complete with the clinical and laboratory analysis, including the radiographs, which we made for the patients were done without charge. The people of Damascus and its surrounding regions can certify to such matter. We didn't take money from any cupped person at all. I'd like to mention here that the laboratory medical team made all these laboratory analyses, which included investigation into the different functions of the body, for the patients on whom we practiced cupping, without receiving any financial recompense whatsoever. They were all performed gratis. We taught all the villages and cities of Syria about the practice of cupping and we instructed thousands and thousands of doctors and nurses how to cup. We are ready to teach anyone who will not exploit their newfound knowledge in order to get money or practice it breaking its rules and laws. Here we have presented cupping and the results that amazed the world and astonished the entire medical profession. In the face of all of this wonderful work, I can do nothing but extend my thanks and gratitude to the researcher Professor Abdul Qadir Adirani and to the entire medical team for the hard work and the effort they offered for free rendering us all a huge humanitarian service and executing the wishes of my father, the scholar Muhammad Amin Shaykho, God have mercy upon him. Thank you. Finally, there have been some criticisms made against what the messenger said. These criticisms were checked 
by the humane scholar Muhammad Amin Shaker in his work on this simple medical operation now performed under the latest methods and certified by the best medical experts of the day. His research has enabled us to dismiss the above-mentioned criticisms which are counterproductive and contest evidence gathered at the highest medical levels. So it has been proved that cupping is a correct operation when applied according to strict rules and that there have been many cases of recovery relating to a great many diseases astounding the best doctors. Cupping is an excellent means to protect people's health and ensure their safety unless it is applied without observing the rules an unfortunate situation which would pave the way to endangering their lives in an atmosphere of lies and deception.